Hi, I'm Perry, and you're listening to The Beauty Brains. Welcome to The Beauty Brains, a show where real cosmetic chemists answer your beauty product questions and give you an insider's look at the cosmetic industry. This is episode 316. I'm your host, Perry Romanowski, and with me today is Valerie George. Hello, Valerie. Hi, Perry. Valerie, was it my turn to do the intro or yours? I, I don't recall. I, I wrote think it was script. yours, yeah. I think it was oh, yours. Okay, there we go. That's right, I'm the even numbers. Well, you know, speaking of even, on today's show, we're going to answer an even number of questions, including does mechanical damage on hair cause damage on the same bonds or chains as heat or chemical damage? Interesting hair question. Uh, how effective are the Array Gray products? Are probiotic home cleaning products effective? And what are our thoughts on the Regimen Lab skincare brand? So we got hair, we got skin, and cleaning products today. But first, some of our famous chit-chat. Valerie, how are you doing today? I'm doing really good. Um, back from traveling. I'm going to be here for quite a while, not traveling a whole lot for the rest of the year. So I'm excited about that. Well, I will be in L.A. in December. I can't wait to see you. Yeah, we can meet then. We're actually going to first go to Hawaii and then on our way back, stop by L.A. So, yay. Oh, <laughs> L.A. <laughs> Hawaii's a bit further, but I, I do appreciate the method of going to Hawaii first. Sure, sure. Then back to L.A. So it's a shorter flight home. Exactly. A lot, lot. Should, should be a good trip there. And, uh, of course, I'm going on a trip to Chile and Uruguay in a couple of weeks. How exciting. Jet setting Perry. Maybe I'll do a solo episode, my first one. Yeah, that would be great. Now, speaking of solos or not solos, we were uh, we were not on the podcast yesterday, but we were on uh, an Instagram live event with the CTPA. That is the Cosmetics, Toiletries, and Products Personal Care Association. Something up like that, right? Yeah, but they're our friends in the UK. They're right. That's a UK beauty industry. And we had a nice chat on their Instagram feed, uh, just talking about the beauty industry and uh, communicating information and misinformation. Well, we weren't communicating misinformation, but we were talking about how that exists <laughs> online, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a really good dialogue. Uh, it would have been nice to have a contrarian on the on the episode that we were all like, yeah, we agree, we agree, we agree. It would have been nice to have someone who said, you know what, I disagree. Yeah, and you know, I was trying to be a little bit controversial with some of my takes, but uh, nobody was biting. <laughs> <laughs> because we agree with your cynicism. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it, it's always a challenge when you uh, get onto these things and everybody agrees. Uh, you know, if everybody agrees, what do you need anybody for? This is why the Beauty Brain yeah. podcast works so well, is because we do have a few areas of disagreement. <laughs> We do. We do. And I think the listeners enjoy it. Yeah, indeed. You know what I'm going to enjoy yeah. tomorrow? I'm doing the Chicago Marathon. I, I thought I saw you wearing some neon clothing. Are you getting a little practice run in today before before the big event? Well, you know, I am a streak runner. I haven't missed a day of running since 2008. Um, but you're not streaking while you run. No, but I am juggling. Uh, no, a street okay. running is you just every single day, no matter what, you're out there. So, yes, it is the day before a marathon. Often people will not go for a run, but I will because, you know, I got to keep the streak alive. 
Oh my gosh. You should have a shirt on while you run that says, I also ran yesterday and the day before (laughs) and 4,632 days before that or whatever your streak is. Uh, It's 5,066 today. So that that many days. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Wow. Wow, very cool. This is also a significant marathon for me because it is my 44th. And when I did my first marathon, I set the goal back in 1996 to do 44 marathons. And so this is a culmination of my long, long-term long goal, I guess. Wow, very cool. Are you going to keep running marathons? Uh, well, that's a good question. Uh, probably, but then I'll start counting, like, it'll be like the first anniversary of my 44th and the second anniversary of my 44th, so... <laughs> yeah, 44 is your magic number. That's for sure. It, it is. All right, we ready for some beauty science news? Yeah, let's head there. There are a couple of stories I saw. So as reported in Happy, the beauty retailer A.S. Watson is introducing a skin analysis tool that creates personalized skincare recommendations. Mm-hmm. Essentially, they developed this AI by scanning through like 16,000 selfie images, and they're able to detect a range of facial attributes that the customer has, and then they can suggest products for that. Yeah. They did this in conjunction with L'Oreal, which I guess L'Oreal has this AI part of their company called Modiface. Which, yeah, uh, is... well, they bought Modiface. Modiface used to be a separate company, and L'Oreal bought them. Ah, so Modiface was like computer people trying to apply it to beauty products, huh? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm familiar with AR when it comes to beauty because I developed a AI platform called Hair AI, actually, uh, in my former life. And it was, uh, yes, looking at a lot of images and seeing what anomalies we could detect in hair and scalp, which was a lot of fun. So uh, you, they're not the only people doing this. There's other companies out there who can do this, but uh, whether or not the algorithm works well and makes the right product recommendations, and most importantly, are consumers willing to adapt and listen to those recommendations, especially if the products aren't working, will be another story. Yeah. You know, I... I wonder, like, what could the what would the different recommendations be? Like, if they look at your face and you're like, oh, you have acne, you're like, well, okay, there's only so many acne treatments that people can have, right? Um, yeah. So how customized is that? Well, I don't think it's any different than a consumer shopping. I think maybe it just makes more tailored recommendations or opens up to the consumer opens up to the consumer a product they never thought about before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I don't think it really provides any mind-blowing information unless the consumer is like, oh, wow, I wasn't aware my pores were that large, or I wasn't aware that I had (laughs) fine lines and wrinkles more around this portion of my face, so I should be more careful, or, oh, wow, I have sunspots developing here. So I think it's more a consumer awareness and keeping them engaged in using products. Yeah, well, like this is certainly the way that uh, at least some recommendations are going. I guess the... The old way would have been what you talk to your esthetician or you talk to your family member or relative and say, what should I use? Or, and that's how you get it. And that, so this is just a new way to, or another way to get recommendations for products. Well, I also wonder, you, you mentioned a hair one. Uh, were you, do you think you were able to get information that was going to be useful to give hair product recommendations from like an AI point of view? 
Well, I think stylists are already so good at looking at hair and understanding what the consumer needs. I think it was really great for me as a scientist to be able to look at hair and scalp and understand whether or not someone is uh, truly just an oil producer or if they uh, just tend to get greasy over time or or it's other types of buildup. I gained a lot of information about hair and scalp that I think in time could have been excellent for uh-huh. um, for me as a chemist to be able to create new products or create new uh, treatments for the guests. But um, in, in terms of the length of the hair, it was actually really cool because uh, just looking at a split end, I, I could tell how the split end came to be about. Was it thermal? Was it mechanical? Was it, um, uh-huh. you know, other types of sh- chemical stress on the hair? Uh, we, we got so good at looking at it and saying, wow, this is what happened, but you could only look at it up close and with, uh, you know, certain features, uh, right. which I can't give away, but, uh, sure, yeah, it was really cool. Uh, but whether or not it made the different, a difference to the consumer, I don't know. Yeah. That makes for a good story. <laughs> Speaking of stories, yeah. we got another, another news story. Yeah. The next story is Oceanly Vegan Skincare debuts with plastic-free packaging. It's a new complete line of solid 100% plastic-free packaging, entirely EWG verified. Um, And it's from the Canadian brand Attitude Living. So it's Attitude Living and Oceanly is is the, the concept that they came up with. And it's a, a biodegradable and FSC certified cardboard uh, packaging and it's push up and design. So I guess you push up the product sure. um, to the top and it's clean, vegan, plastic free, uh, yeah. helping create p- positive change on a global level. Although I don't know what the trees would say about that. Um, <laughs> the poor well, trees. you know, there, there's a pro and con to every sustainability sure. story. So, uh, anyway, but it's very beautiful looking and, um, it'd be you know, interesting to try. Well, you know, I was looking at this, and the first thing that I thought is like, oh, 100% plastic free, and I'm like, can that really be true? Could they really take a, a deodorant product and put it in? I guess this is what just a biodegradable cardboard tube. Yes, with lots of inks on it. Right, right, but so on the inside. <laughs> so, do we want the, the inks in the soil? I don't know. Right. But presumably that's le- that's less worse than plastics, I guess, because plastics are still. So I'm just saying, in you know, if this replaced like a plastic container, I mean that's probably good. I just wondered about the formula. Does do you have to do anything to the inner lining of that cardboard to uh, make sure that formula stays? I don't know, solid or something. Well, actually, I'm well versed in oh, well, uh, paper two packaging, um, unfortunately. Back um, in the day, <laughs> you're... yeah, yeah, but uh, yeah. So it's basically it has to be lined. The cardboard has to be lined with some type of wax or polymer to help mitigate any interactions between the formula and the the cardboard. And um, some of the liners, hopefully, they've done their diligence. Uh, are come from petroleum feedstock. Uh, those are the best ones, the ones that work the best. You can get natural waxes, which is probably, um, you know, they never really specify what the wax source is on it. So I'm guessing it's sure. probably, you know, something that we don't want to know what it is, uh, but it does come <laughs> from plant feed stock. Uh, and I think that's less effective. Um, uh-huh. But anyway, the, both of them 
uh, provide some kind of protection from the product interacting with the paper packaging. You still, even with that lining, can't really use watery stuff. Like you're very limited. So I would be very interested to see uh, what these skincare products are and the long-term compatibility with the skincare product and the paper tube packaging. Because uh, eventually, you know, it does get through, especially if it's heat, you leave it in your car on a warm day. Even right. an anhydrous formula will seep uh, through that wax interior into the paper. Well, it's kind of like those cardboard straws that are all the rage. I mean, those last year, what? Yeah. If you don't drink your drink in 10 minutes, it's going to be a soupy mess in there. <laughs> yeah, with paper floating. Yeah. I guess when I read this story, that was the one thing I thought, I'm like, well, if they could do 100% plastic containers, why isn't the entire cosmetic industry doing this? And I guess that's the answer because uh, it maybe it works for these deodorants because they're a solid product. So essentially it's like you're just wrapping a, a crayon with a, a cardboard tube and that was probably fine enough. But if you had any water-based product or any liquidy product, um, that would probably be a bigger problem. Yeah, there's formula limitations, um, there's stability limitations, and believe it or not, paper tubes are really expensive. Uh, Um, Unless you get them from China, they can be more affordable, but they're still expensive once you consider freight and tariffs because they tend to take up a lot of space and they can be heavy. Uh, So I think they're, you know, it's just not too alluring to, to push something up through a product. And maybe if the product needs uh, protection from ambient air, uh, it's probably not a good choice. I think it's just limiting in a lot of ways. Yeah. And who knows if it's really more sustainable. It'd be nice to see uh, metrics, you know, based on, okay, did it reduce greenhouse gases? But then, of course, how did it impact the forest uh, reforestation supply? Any Anytime you announce a sustainable choice, I think it's important to say, okay, well, it's not just pros. There were some cons in making yeah. the selection and being transparent about that, which we talked about yesterday on our Instagram Live with CTPA. We did, the unintended consequences. I actually heard a talk uh, by, uh, it was Dr. Lockhead uh, in, in, when I was in London, and he would, he gave some, sort of a downside to tra- planting trees. You know, sometimes there's an offset where oh, for every product somebody buys, we'll plant a tree, and that's looked at as a good thing. Well, it also can be they they plant the same tree, so it starts to be an invasive species, and it kind of displaces all of the, you get one type of tree, which can then be wiped out by some you know plant fungus or something, which happens in the United mm-hmm. States with a lot of types of trees. So that's there is a downside to that also. Yeah. Well, uh, we'll see how they do. All right. Looks like uh, we have a celebrity. Launches another line. Uh, what? Brad Pitt's wasn't a- enough? We, who, who launched a line here? <laughs> I just give up. Do you know what? I, I keep laughing, though, because at the beginning of the year or the end of last year, I can't remember which, we said celebrity launches are going to be a mega trend this year. And I'm just so happy we were right. Heavy metal legend, the Prince of Darkness, Ozzy Osbourne, has debuted a makeup line. <laughs> In collaboration wow. with rock, rock and Roll Beauty, complete with a coffin-shaped eyeshadow palette. That's amazing and unexpected. Although he he always used makeup, I guess, on stage, right? He did. So I think it's a natural fit for him. Um, so when I saw this news, I was just like, I give up. It's out of control, these celebrity launches. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see how he does. I mean, 
he had a TV station. He's very our TV show. He's very well known, and I think that's the key to having at least a, a flash in the pan success, like an initial success for a celebrity, is that you have a big following online, or you're you know people know you, and maybe they'll try out your product. So good for him, I guess. And it, it's not his own line per se. It's a collaboration, but still, it's something. Yeah, I think it counts. Valerie, we got some. We got some feedback on our show. Remember episode 312, we talked about safety of retinol? Yeah, I had some feelings we'd get feedback on that. Well, let's. this one comes to us from Anna. Hi, Perry and Valerie. This is Anna sending you a message on episode 312 about the toxicity of retinol on vision. Um, just wanted to... Uh, make a correction on your comment that uh, it cannot affect vision. Uh, I'm an optometrist and I also work in a dedicated dry eye clinic. The issue with retinol is that um, they can potentially cause damage to the glands of the eyelid called meibomian glands. And uh, these glands are responsible for secreting various oils and waxes which coat the surface of the tears. And when these da- glands become damaged, they can contribute to dry eye, which may not sound terribly bad, but uh, there are people with significant dry eye conditions which are in constant pain um, and have decreased vision. So uh, I would say that um, it is not untrue that retinols can contribute to dry eyes. And what we recommend is that people do not apply retinol creams in the eye area. Uh, love the show, and thank you so much for rescuing the kittens. I'm also someone who volunteers and um, at an animal shelter, so thank you. Ah, oh, well, another kitten lover. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great feedback because I get asked questions all the time about whether or not retinol should be put in the eye area, and I feel like, yeah, it's probably a no. I don't think you should put a lot of stuff in the eye area or close to the eyes because... Um, yeah you know, feel, feel like your vision's pretty important. So that's very cool to know. And I, uh, I'm looking forward to looking up some of that uh, data she's talking about because dry eyes are awful. Yeah, they don't, they don't sound good. <laughs> so they don't, and uh, <laughs> I, I was, I, I didn't quite recall us saying that uh, it was okay for the eyes, but uh, I'll have to go back and listen to the show. Uh, but it is important to get that information out. So that's why I want to play yeah. that. Yeah, and I think especially as brands develop, um, you know, if you're a brand developer listening to the show and you're thinking about developing an eye cream or maybe you have a retinol cream and you're thinking about the directions for it, uh, something to consider. I wouldn't get it close to the eye area, particularly based on that information. Yeah, generally we think of cosmetics as pretty benign, uh, but clearly there are some cases where they can actually have uh, negative health impacts. So. Uh, keep the retinol away from your eyes. Valerie, we ready for some beauty questions? Yeah. First question comes to us from Anne. Anne asks, Hello, I've really been enjoying your podcast and would like to submit a question. Does mechanical damage on hair cause damage on the same bonds or, or on the same bonds or chains as heat or chemical damage? I'm wondering if like a product like K18 
would help with strengthening my hair or if it would be pointless for someone with undyed hair that has never heat styled. Thank you for all you do. Great question. Mechanical damage and heat damage and chemical damage. Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, they're all uh, different types of damage that can be done to hair. So if you are heating your hair with a flat iron, you are, or even just a blow dryer on super high heat, uh, you can start to denature the proteins that hair is made up of. Hair is just a protein and some other compounds, but the primary sure. factor for its strength is the keratin protein, which uh, provides disulfide bonds. And when you heat hair, you can start to loosen other types of bonds in the hair besides these disulfide bonds. You can also break disulfide bonds. You can also um, just start to unwind the structure that the protein has. And yeah. you can also uh, boil hair from the inside out because your hair does have some crystalline water inside of it. And so, yeah. um, and also some free water. So you'll start to heat that water up and it'll reach a, a vapor point and vaporize and can explode the hair open and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it can make bubbles and such. And uh, yeah, some of the bonds that are breaking, also the disulfide bonds, which are uh, protein to protein bonds, but with within the protein chain, you know, proteins are an amino acid chain uh, just strung together and you can sort of hydrolyze those things. And that's one of the types of damage that you can do. Chemical damage is where you are applying not just hair color and bleaches to the hair, which can interact with the chemical bonds in the hair fiber and damage the hair, but it could be as simple as a shampoo or a conditioner. Your hair has lots of chemical charges on it, and even applying a simple product to it can modify those chemical charges. Going out in the sun can modify the chemical charges on your hair. Being yeah. exposed to air or water can do it. So even just whatever you're doing as a human can cause uh, chemical damage on your hair. And the mechanical damage is exactly what it sounds like mechanical you maybe are brushing your hair putting your hair in a ponytail uh, braiding your hair too tightly uh, contorting your hair in ways that uh, cause strain on the hair and stress on the hair and this will eventually break the hair fiber it might not be breaking the hair fiber in half but it could be causing a crack or a fissure on the hair yeah. or even uh, when you try to pull a string apart and only a portion of the strings break that could happen uh, but usually mechanical damage is amplified when you have heat or chemical damage on top of it it's easier to get mechanical damage when the chemical bonds um, of your hair are broken from heat or you know just applying products to your hair yeah I agree but the way I kind of look at it is that uh, mechanical damage is sort of on a mic uh, macro scale it's something you could see you know it's your you can't see protein protein bonds but you can see a hair fiber and when you're doing mechanical damage you're mostly breaking the surface you're stripping off your cuticles you're breaking the fibers things that you can see when you're talking about uh, heat damage or chemical damage uh, you're mostly talking about invisible kinds of damage damage on the molecular level and that does not necessarily manifest itself into some macro level thing, except maybe weakening the hair fiber. These K18 product, the idea is that it's going to strengthen the hair on a micro level. And so as far as it helping you with uh, the mechanical damage, 
Um, I don't think it's going to have nearly as much of be help, be nearly as helpful as something like just a standard hair conditioner or that type of thing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so whether or not you need a product like K18 to strengthen your hair, unless you have lots of mechanical damage um, to your hair, I, I probably wouldn't worry about it. I would think that you could get, you know, enough conditioning and lubrication on your hair fiber. Uh, to help mitigate some of the mechanical damage or help mitigate some of the negative feel mechanical damage might offer to your hair. This one comes to us from Robin, Robin with a Y. She says, I am 42, which is the answer to the life, the universe, and everything, according to uh, Douglas Adams, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. None of that was in her question, but that's what the number 42 (laughs) makes me think of. All right. I am 42 and have some grays. I have to get my hair colored about every six weeks. My hair is dark, so they really show up. Just curious about the Array Gray products, mostly the To The Root product. Valerie, have you had personal experience with the product's effectiveness? I have fine hair, but a lot of it, and I feel that sometimes the sorts of serums make it look and feel greasy, and I try not to wash it more than two or three times a week. Thank you in advance. The Array Gray products. So I actually do know the product line because the gentleman who does my hair, uh, not colors it, although he can color hair, uh, the gentleman who trims my hair, he is one of the founders of this brand. Oh, well, that's that's good to know. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had most of the products used on me just by uh, being in his salon. <laughs> so. Well, I'm looking. I'm looking at the to the root product that she specifically asked about. Water glycerin. It looks like it has a palmitol tripeptide in it. Um, oh, wasabi extract. Yeah. Spicy. This is just a really <laughs> lightweight uh, water-based serum. Uh, that goes on the scalp. It's, um, you know, water, glycerin, the peptide and extract, some panthenol in there and hydrolyzed barley, which is great uh, protein, which is great uh, for leaving hair feeling hydrated. So um, I wouldn't think that hair should be left too greasy uh, at the scalp area unless you are a person who has a natural propensity for uh, greasiness or oiliness, um, you know, which would pretty much happen um anyway so if um you try not to wash it you know give it a try see if you you really enjoy it hopefully it doesn't make you too greasy yeah i mean it's it's going to be a matter of how much is used these are pretty standard ingredients there Uh, it's you know water glycerin and the and the, the peptide and then a lot of bunch of other stuff but it's one of those things you just kind of kind of try it and see if you like the way it feels we can't look at an ingredient list and say whether you're going to like how that feels or not. Yeah, so I actually haven't personally used this product because I haven't ever had a need for the scalp serum, but I have. Uh, I do recall the shampoo, and they have a leave-in mist that I, I really like the smell of. Um, it's, it's not fragrance per se, but it just has like a base smell that I, I really, really enjoy. But th- those are nice products. Does it smell like ammonia? <laughs> no, why would you say that? I, I I thought you were a big fan of the smell of ammonia or something like that. Oh, 
Oh yeah, I am. It's a, yeah, pretty <laughs> sick. But um, right. <laughs> I don't go like sniff it or anything. But you uh, know, I have right, to work right. with it for hair color, and I love it. But uh, no, it kind of just has a um, like a little plant-based smell, um, or like the base. I don't know how to describe it, but it's a uh, it's nice. Okay, it's not marijuana though, right? So, no, no. no, not that kind no, of plant. No, no. no. Okay, I got it. Sorry. <laughs> that doesn't smell good. Yeah, to me. <laughs> it does. It, it, well, it is called skunk weed, so. Um, <laughs> all right, I think we should. I think we should move on to another question. This is another audio question, or it's an audio question, and uh, I plan it because uh, you know I like to hear audio questions. Hey, Perry and Valerie, absolutely love your podcast. This is Jessica from San Diego, California. My question is about probiotic home cleaning products. I've seen this trend increasing a lot, especially in the green cleaning product space. And I was just curious about your opinion on if they actually work. And if so, if they're more effective than just using regular cleaners, if they're worth the increase in money, and if we should be weary about using them around food contact spaces or pets or children. Thanks. Valerie, have you ever used probiotic cleaning products? No, uh, I actually never heard of them before this question, but also Mr. Cosmetic Chemist does buy all the cleaning products. Granted, I have pre-vetted them and approved them, so we've basically been buying the same thing for many years. We d- he just reorders on Amazon or whatever. But I, th- I thought that was really interesting because that's a category I would never think that probiotics would be needed in. Yeah, and... I- Think um, in looking at this question, looking up some of these products, they specifically talk about products that have uh, living bacteria, which you would spray onto your surface, and theoretically, those are supposed to kill off the the bad bacteria. So you spray good bacteria on bad bacteria to clean it better. Um, this sounds very science fictiony <laughs> to me. Yeah, that's not really how it works. Um, I mean, I'm sure there are some, um, you know, bacteria that are, can weed out some of the bad bacteria, but usually it's about a harmony or a balance. It's never a total kill on bad bacteria. There's usually some kind of symbiosis there, at least on skin. Right. I understand the probiotics on skin. I mean, I don't, I don't really think that the products that are probiotics that are put on skin actually uh, are terribly effective from the probiotic standpoint. But at least I understand it because your skin has a microbiome and there are things living on your skin. As far as stuff living on your cleaning surfaces, wouldn't you just pretty much want to kill all the bacteria? Yeah, especially the bad bacteria. Like you wouldn't want anything you know well i mean good bad let's just get rid of it all that's that's kind of been the that was kind of the strategy for for even cleansing products let's just get rid of all the bacteria on your skin and let the chips fall where they may and you know if you go into surgery or something you do that right you use these special antibiotic soaps and things uh, but i could understand that maybe you don't want to clean your skin that way but like home surfaces and things you're going to eat off of i i would think you'd want to clean all of the all of the microbes off of those surfaces i can't think of a good reason why you'd want to keep it on there uh keep anything on there so i i would not be a big fan of probiotic home cleaning 
So we did look up a couple probiotic cleaners and we found one that CLR makes, which I thought was very interesting because when I think of CLR, I think of the cleaner you want to buy and not breathe in that gets all the scum off your glass shower windows. And we we took a look at it. I was actually surprised. Usually with home cleaning products, you have no idea what's in them. The household industry is regulated totally differently. Yeah, they don't have to put ingredient lists on home cleaning products. For this product, they do disclose all of the ingredients, and maybe they do it for others, but they say this probiotic cleaner harnesses the natural cleaning power of probiotics and bio-based ingredients, and that this powerful combination breaks down grime and leaves a fresh aroma for three days. So maybe CLR thinks some of the materials they're adding on the probiotic side help break down stuff, but wouldn't you just want... I think if the probiotics weren't in the formula they have, I, I think it should clean just fine as well. I would think. I, th- I think this is trying to get away from the notion of like the chemical bomb. So you, right now the cleaning products, you could think of them as just a napalm bomb and you spray it on in your surface and it just kills everything there. And this one might seem like a more natural version where you're a little more gentle to the surface and you're only killing the bad guys and you're leaving the good guys. It just seems to me... You wouldn't want to leave any bacteria on a surface that you're going to want to use. I, I don't know. Am I, am I missing something here? Well, let's go through the ingredient list. So it's a water-based product. It's the um, diluent, although they call it a dilutant um, <laughs> on the website. Sure. And then we have propylene glycol, which is a great solvent. Uh, Bexillus bacterial ferment which is a probiotic microbial ferment, which who knows if it's really a probiotic or actually like a, you know, a ferment of it. Caprylocaproglucoside, sodium xylene sulfonate, which is a synthetic surfactant, polysorbate 40, sodium polyataconate, which is a 100% natural derived polymer, probably helps everything form a film on the surface, sodium hydroxide, sure. methyl isothiazolinone, which is a synthetic preservative, which essentially would kill any kind of bacteria that might be living in this. So this is definitely not any <laughs> living bacteria in your product. Yeah. Tea tree oil, but it's synthetic and terpeneless. So I don't know why they just wouldn't use natural tea tree oil. And then they have a mm. fragrance, which is, you know, a trade secret by, by fragrance rules. And benzyl, benzoate, and citral are the two allergens they declare on it, which is pretty cool because they don't have to declare any allergens. Yeah. Or the ingredients, really. So in looking at this, uh, it it feels to me, this is, you know, it's got pretty standard ingredients in there. So it feels like it's a standard product where you dump in some uh, thing that you can call uh, probiotic. And it's, I, I wouldn't think it's going to help anything. No, no. So um, interesting. It's cool that CLR is kind of playing in the skincare space with the probiotics. Uh, but I just don't know if it makes a difference in the product. Uh, if anybody has any other thoughts on that, we'd love to hear it. Uh, but yeah, I would stick with the standard cleaning stuff myself. I guess the the devil's advocate position on this is like, well, you don't want chemicals near your food, right? Well, you wouldn't want this near your food anyway, because it's also chemicals. <laughs> right, right. Yes, exactly. I, I have. A, I guess I can't even devil advocate this. Uh, I, you know, I'm a I'm a fan of the standard cleaning products, and uh, uh, I, yeah, I don't see any. And- any additional benefit for this. 
No, and even if a product is touted as being natural, more gentle, more bio-based, still treat it like a cleaning product. And the good news about cleaning products is they all come with safety data sheets. You should be able to get them online from the provider. That's one thing that's required with cleaning products. And they have all the um, information about how to handle it if it comes into contact with your skin or how to store it in your home. And that should be pretty clear enough on, uh, you know, still needs to be treated like chemicals for sure. Yeah, everything's a chemical. All right, we got time for one more question. Tracy says, hi, Beauty Brains. Thank you for the wonderful podcast. I've learned so much listening. Just wondering what you think about the skincare brand Regimen Lab. It's a Canadian brand with a .ca email address. They said their products are peer-reviewed, science-based, so I'm very curious if they actually do work better than products already on the market. Thanks. Well, what do you think about claims like peer-reviewed and tested on humans, Perry? Well, I think it's very good to be testing on humans, and peer-reviewed generally is a good thing. But in looking at this, and and I have to say, I've never used a regimen lab, and I haven't used the products. I've not used it either. So uh, as far as how do the products work, how they feel and such, uh, I can't really answer that. All I can do is comment on how they're marketing their products. And so if you go to their website, their first thing they're talking about is peer-reviewed skincare, and that's like right in your face. I, I don't exactly know what that means. I guess it's supposed to imply that it's scientifically peer-reviewed. It means they use rigorously peer-reviewed science. So some cosmetic chemists are looking through peer-reviewed literature in yeah. hopefully established publications, but you know, there's lots of bad publications out there that are technically sure. peer-reviewed, I guess, right? So they're just saying they use data from journals. So for example, if I create a cream and I use niacinamide at 2% for reducing the size of pores, that comes from peer-reviewed literature. I'm using peer-reviewed science to create that formulation technique. So I wouldn't say it's terribly unique, although I will say a lot of chem- cosmetic chemists are not looking at peer-reviewed scientific literature. Yeah, I would agree. Um, the the thing that strikes me here, though, is they make a few claims, which I think are a little, meh, not quite right. <laughs> let's, let's just say you that. You mean like so just I, tested with real people, like um, as opposed to right. tested with just not with real people? people? or I mean, I guess as opposed to animals, right? <laughs> so they say science without the superiority complex. Um, and <laughs> This kind of looks like a superiority complex, right? Well, I, I object to the one of the first things they claim is that it's an open industry secret that almost every skincare brand outsources the formulation and production of their products. Um, a lot do, but that's not true. A lot of people yeah. use their own. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, but when you're talking about most products that people would buy, the stuff by P&G, the stuff by Unilever, Neutrogena, or you know, the big guys, they all formulate their own stuff. Yeah. You know, all the biggest brands are formulating, you know, they mostly manufacture their own stuff, too. Uh, Sometimes they'll employ contract manufacturers. But I don't think this is such a big open secret that everybody is, you know, not making their own. Yeah. And a lot of the top cool product brands are actually using formulation companies like mine to create their formulas for them. So it's not like they're just going to a manufacturer and saying, oh, you know, I want to get this and tweak that. A lot of companies are working with, 
you know, top tier formulation experts. Uh, you know, there's a handful in LA that these big brands are using, uh, myself included. So they are maybe not capable of providing their own chemists in-house and their own R&D staff, but that doesn't mean they're not just as good. In fact, there's a lot of, you know, bad brands out there that do their own formulations and they probably shouldn't be, right? So I don't know if it's a point of difference. Yeah, I don't know if it's a it's a positive point, right? If you're a good marketer, that doesn't mean you're also a good formulator. Or if you're a good formulator, it doesn't mean you're a good product marketer. So I think it's a little bit unfair there. The other thing I think of is this this idea of peer-reviewed science. They say we use peer-reviewed science. But if you look at the, like the study that you suggested, the niacinamide, you need 2% niacinamide, it affects the pores in a certain way. Well, that was true for that particular study and under those conditions, does that really mean, is it, did they really peer review in their formula? Do you get the same effects? And just because you throw an ingredient in one formula doesn't mean the same ingredient is going to have the same effect in a completely different formula. And so there, it, to me, this smacks a little bit of uh, science washing, where they're trying to blind you with science and then uh, they'll make their products kind of the same as everyone else. But the, the products do look nice. You know, it's hard to look at the oversized glove on the fingers. I hate when people wear oversized gloves in the lab. It drives me crazy. Um, you know, but the products look nice. I've looked at some of the ingredient listings and yeah, I'd try this or I'd try that. Um, you know, but is it anything earth shattering? Do they have, you know, they talk about their obsessive standards. Is it that unique over other brands? Probably not, but the brand sure looks fun and it'd be interesting to try. Yeah, so, uh, hey, you guys want to send uh, Valerie some samples? Feel free. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, so it, it, I, to me, it's a little bit, uh, they, they, little, they run a little hard into the we're science and nobody else is the science, uh, which I think is a little disingenuous. But, you know, like she said, the, the products look interesting and maybe they're fun. Do they work better than other products that are already on the market? Only I would be able to tell if I had them. And I, <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just kidding. I would buy them. I, you know, I like to support brands, so I would pay for them. I don't, I wouldn't guess that their products are so much better than everyone else's on the market. Well, do you know what I hear, Perry? What's that? I hear your alarm ringing because you have to get ready oh. for the Chicago marathon. I do. And just, wow. In just uh, 24 hours, I will be done, hopefully, because we, we go off at <laughs> seven in the mornings. <laughs> I well, hope thanks too. So well, thanks much, for everyone. listening. <laughs> I'll cut that Thanks right. for listening, hey, everyone. Hey, if you get a chance, can you go over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcast and leave us a review? That helps other people find the show and ensures we have a full docket of beauty product questions. Speaking of questions, we had a couple audio questions on today's show. We love that. If you have a question, please record it on your smartphone. Very easy to do. Trust me, your voice sounds fantastic. And email it over to us at thebeautybrains at gmail.com. And the Beauty Brains are on Patreon. That's the way you support the show. You might say, hey, we didn't hear any commercials on this show. And that's why, because we are fully supported by our patrons. So if you want to support the show and keep us ad-free, go to patreon.com slash thebeautybrains and subscribe. Also, don't forget to follow us on our various social media accounts. On Instagram, we're at thebeautybrains2018. On Twitter, we're at thebeautybrains. Plus, we have a Facebook page and a TikTok account. 
Tick-tock, tick-tock. <laughs> yeah, tick-tock, well, uh, Valerie... the clock's running. Hope you do well tomorrow. Oh, well, thank you so much, Valerie. And thanks for recording today. I had a great time. And thanks again for listening to our listeners. And remember, be brainy about your beauty. Thanks, everyone. Kittens. <laughs>